Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to Pregnancy Confidential. Week 26, is breast always best? Pregnancy Confidential is a girlfriend-to-girlfriend real talk podcast from the folks at Parents Magazine, where we have your back and bump through all 40 weeks of pregnancy. I'm Dana Points, the editor-in-chief of Parents, and with me today is... Chandra Turner, the executive editor of Parents. And... Kara Corridan, health director at Parents. So if pregnancy feels like a dream in the early days, by week 26, it's reality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dream's over, right? You've got your belly. You know, you've got that bump to prove that you're pregnant. That baby is moving and kicking. And so you're well aware that there is a real live baby inside. And you're probably starting to think about what that baby is going to eat when he comes out. Breastfeeding, formula feeding, combining them. You've heard it a million times breast is best. But is it always? So in this week's podcast, we're going to take a look at the formula breast milk debate. Before we dig in, though, let's talk about how big your baby is. This week, your baby is the size of a coconut. Throw pillow. I'll go with a a small walk. A small walk. A walk? (laughs) Not the biggest walk you can picture. But hopefully like a really soft walk. Yeah. So another option would be a giant African land snail. My my <laughs> older my older son is obsessed with these. I guess they're big. They're in fact about the size of a coconut. Hmm. <laughs> if you want more details about what's going on with your baby this week, you can sign up for our daily pregnancy email at parents.com/pregnancydaily, and we will give you the scoop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today we're going to talk about, is breast always best? Now, if you ask any woman on the street or read any of the countless articles out there in favor of breastfeeding, the answer is a resounding yes. And it's true. There have been countless studies that have found breast milk to be more nutritious than formula. Its benefits include fewer allergies and ear infections, lower rates of SIDS, that's sudden infant death syndrome, and obesity higher IQ scores. Psychologists also like to point out nursing's role in fostering that bond between mom and baby. And so the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends breastfeeding for at least a year after you deliver that baby. But there has been more recent research comparing breastfed and bottle-fed babies in the developed world that finds kind of a less clear picture It can be difficult for researchers to separate the benefits of breastfeeding from other aspects of a baby's life. So, for example, if you're the kind of mother who breastfeeds and manages to do it successfully for some period of time, 
you might also be more likely to do other things that research shows are good for your baby, like read to your baby or exercise more often or feed that baby healthier food as the baby gets older. That's a generalization. It's a huge generalization. (laughs) One expert told us that there are plenty of Mensa kids who are bottle fed, which is funny. Even the language around this is really tricky because there's bottle feeding, which you can bottle feed with breast milk. Mm -hmm. It's really the debate between breastfeeding and formula feeding. Right. The fact of the matter is breastfeeding doesn't work for every mom. It can be really hard. I mean, I had to have a lactation consultant. I did too. Yeah. And it um, didn't actually work. Mm-hmm. I was never able to breastfeed my daughter, and I had trouble with my son too. I did breastfeed both kids, but I didn't have any compunctions about also feeding formula when I wasn't around or I wasn't producing enough Mm -hmm. milk. But there are women who have real medical, physical conditions that, you know, those women can't breastfeed. And we don't want people to feel lesser than or guilty or in any way concerned if you happen to be one of those people who can't produce enough milk, can't produce any milk, has to take a medication that makes it impossible to breastfeed because the medication might have effects on the baby. Or chooses not to. Absolutely. Don't get hung up in other people's judgments. Or you have to go back to work and you can't pump or you can't afford a pump. Um, Right. You don't have a private place to pump at your workplace. Right. Those are all very real conditions. We should all advocate for those things. But the reality is a lot of women don't have that option. Also, bear in mind, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? Mm. Um, you can mix the two. I think that gets lost in the conversation. I feel like it's we're also divided into two camps, whether mm-hmm. we like it or not. Right. But there should be room to do whatever works that day. Yep. Right. Yep. For you. And I will say formula now is so evolved. The nutrients and what they have learned about micronutrients and DHA and and all those other substances that they can put in the formula, it's just light years ahead of where it used to be in terms of its nutrient qualities. For anybody who tells you, I breastfed my children and they never got sick, you're Mm going to find someone who said, I fed my child only formula and he never got sick. Right. My kids never got sick until they went to preschool. Then they got all the germs and and they get sick. So, Kara, did you want to share what your experience was with this? I breastfed with my first daughter through my whole maternity leave, which was 13 weeks. And then when I went back to work, I tried for a full month. And I found it really challenging to pump. I was given a semi-private space, but I was interrupted by a couple of the men in my office more than once. Meaning they came into the semi-private So here's what it was. I had an office that wasn't a true office. My boss was nice enough to put up a shower curtain, you know, a nice cloth shower curtain on those runners. So like I now have a bad response when I hear that like of a shower. Um, I didn't do anything like... nipples tingle. I just cringe. And so a couple of times, some of the men in my office would walk in to drop off a folder. And, you know, they each did that once and never again. Then they barely ever came to see me for anything they after that. They probably still have memories, Oh, yeah. Too. No, they're, they're, they're way worse life. than I am. My back was to them. But still, talk about you're supposed to be, like, all relaxed and looking oh, at a right. picture of your baby and not Also, tense. the pump and, makes noise. Oh, so yeah. a shower curtain is not really noise and I was, I was in a corner. You were kind of segregated. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, and then I had to go to a work event probably two weeks after I returned. And it was an all-day sales meeting at a swanky hotel down in Soho. And while I'm sitting there trying to absorb everything I'm learning, all I can think about is, I 
think that bathroom doesn't have a plug. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. So I asked if I could have a private room. And all they could give me was they had no private room. They were all being occupied. They could give me a hotel room that someone was checking into later. So they asked me if I would sit on the floor in the room. So I'm wow. sitting there cross-legged pumping. And I was just like, this blows. What the hell? And I had to transport my pump every single day through my pretty long commute, walking for a while. And one Friday, I called a friend and I said to her, I think I'm going to keep walking and chuck this pump into the East River. And she's like, you're done. I was like, I'm done. She's like, you're done. I'm like, I can just, how do I wean? She's like, don't wean, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I was not producing so much at that point because I wasn't able to carve out the time. Right. So that was my first pregnancy. The second pregnancy, my daughter ended up having some health issues um, early on. And then I had a health issue. I needed to have an MRI. So I had to pump and dump for a while. Anyway, point is, three weeks in, I was supplementing with formula. I breastfed for... um, only my maternity leave and didn't even bother when I returned back to work. I feel fine about it. I think I made it with my first kid. I made it to 11 months and probably oh, the second wow. one, almost a year, That's maybe That's a little impressive. less. But that was not only breast milk. That was a mix of breast milk and right. formula. 43% of six-month-olds who are breastfed are also supplemented with formula. And that's according to the Centers for Disease Control. I could only pump I couldn't actually physically breastfeed my daughter. She could never latch on properly. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lactation consultant. Um, Her tongue was very tight to um, the bottom of her mouth, which is, she wasn't technically tongue-tied, but enough that she couldn't latch. Mm -hmm. So I had to pump 24 hours. I mean, like, Uh, that was the only way that she could get get the breast breast milk. milk. And my mother came to visit me about, I don't know, four or five weeks in, and she said, why are you doing this to yourself? Mm -hmm. Who are Mm -hmm. you trying to prove this to? And I still wouldn't let up. I said, no, I have to. I right, have to right. do this for her. Even though it was killing me. Like, like Even if she was sleeping through the night, I st- my boobs would wake me up mm-hmm. because I had to pump. I had to get up. I had to do the whole, you know, rigmarole with, the, you know, the pumping parts and the cleaning. And, you know, I mean, it's like even if you have it all set up, it's very challenging to do that. And so I did end up having to give up fairly early with Madeline. I think I made it about five or six months. Oh, um, that's not that early. No, but I mean, it was a, it was a lot Luckily, I had good production. And then when my son was born and he had the same problem, I took him immediately to a pediatric ENT who snipped that bottom part. And I remember taking him home after that little tiny little snip and he breastfed without any pain. Like for the first time, my nipples didn't bleed. I didn't squeal in pain. And it was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. This is what it's supposed to be like. And it was such a better experience that second time. And I just didn't have the knowledge the first time or thought there was something wrong with me more. I was going to say the confidence. Yes, or the confidence to say, hey, listen, I'm not going to do that to myself again. I'm not going to put myself through that. And of course, there's lots of pressure. I remember being on a long flight. I think it was six weeks after Madeline was born. We were on a flight transatlantic and she was crying. And this other mother turns around in her seat and looks at me and kind of gives me this motion of, you know, put the baby on your breast. Oh. And kind of mouths it and just like kept doing this, kept like moving her hand toward her boob to like show me like what to do to calm my baby. As if you didn't know. And I said, no, that would just make us both start screaming and crying. You don't understand. Yeah. Um, That was awfully presumptuous. It was very presumptuous. Which brings us to the topic of other mothers, because this is an area where women of all stripes tend to get really judgy. 
I think it's really interesting that a lot of celebrities, Beyonce, Bethany Frankel, Tamara Mowry, have come out in favor of formula. Do you guys think that women who choose to formula feed need to own it a bit more? Yes, if for no other reason than to make those who can't breastfeed or don't want to breastfeed feel no less of a mother. Right. Now, the don't want to, Megan Alexander, she's from Inside Edition and Thursday Night Football, she told our sister website, fitpregnancy.com, that she had never even tried breastfeeding with her babies because she was determined to use formula and she didn't want to know what Mm. experience she was missing. So she said that it was due to her busy work schedule and formula was what worked best for her. It was her choice. Do you think that that's a valid reason to say, I'm not going to breastfeed? I think it's her choice. I know. I think any reason is a valid reason. I think Agreed. You know, it's actually very retro. I remember my mother saying in the 70s that they were discouraged, that they felt that breastfeeding was antiquated. And I find that hilarious. But you took pills to suppress your your mm-hmm. breast milk production. Oh. So then you could use the very modern formula that was available right, at right. the time. That would have um, been liberating. And that was liberating back then. She says, we didn't want to be tied to our babies in that way. We wanted to be free and be able to make our own decisions. And so it's interesting. I feel like, you it's know. It's come full circle. Now we're back in this other wave. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was interesting. My sister, when she had her baby, made no attempt to breastfeed at all. And I watched how it unfolded for them, particularly in those first few months. And I have to say, I was like, oh, that's another way to do it. Her husband could just get up. They could alternate during the night. Neither one of them were completely exhausted. That's the biggest perk, Mm -hmm. I would say, Mm -hmm. right there. And you can still have that moment of feeding. I mean, I I do remember the the wonderful moment of, like, holding my baby in my arms, looking down at his face, watching him eat, having, you know, really skin-to-skin contact. And you can still do all of that and feed with formula in a bottle. And to give your partner the pleasure and moment that's so intimate like that, too, is great. So I think we're saying, like, just, you know, educate yourself about both approaches. Definitely formulas come a long way. I think probably, Chandra, your mom's version of formula would have been like the processed cheese of formula. right. Whereas now we have like the the gourmet, (laughs) you know, nutritionally enhanced cheese of formula. I can't think of another analogy. And if breastfeeding is your preference and pumping and you need to pump, like then you have to be an advocate for yourself in the workplace with your insurance company. You know, one thing about our new healthcare policies in this country is that pumps are more likely to be covered. Right. Right. And if you're thinking about this and thinking about the cost of the pump, know that. And and you can often rent pumps. That's what I did. Is that if you really need to have a very powerful pump, a hospital grade pump, there are plenty of places that that rent them. And so it's a much more affordable option. And you both brought up lactation consultants. They are often invaluable workers. And they can just do the smallest tweak that changes everything. So it's really worth it if you want to make it work and it's just not happening. If you're able to have a, a session with a consultant, it just might be one. That's all it takes. Hey, if, if you can't afford offered, it, maybe somebody will give it to you as a gift. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice gift. Put that, that on your registry. Gift. And then regardless of which approach you choose to take, you are going to meet judgy people. Either they're going to snipe at you somewhere in public or in social media. And I think the answer for all of us, regardless of, of what path we take, is... I've given a lot of thought to how to feed my baby, and this is the choice I've made, and I think it's working out great. Thanks. Mm -hmm. 
goodbye. That's yeah. all you need to yeah. say, you know. End of story. Whether it's someone frowning at you because you pulled your breast out at the table in a restaurant or someone frowning at you because you're mixing up a bottle of formula on the plane. Mm-hmm. I'm curious whether our listeners are planning to breastfeed or whether you think formula is going to be a better fit for you. So tweet us at Parents Magazine with the hashtag Pregnancy Confidential. This week's Relax You've Got This is about tackling another common pregnancy fear, worry about preeclampsia, a concern that might increase with high-profile celebrities like Kim Kardashian and Mariah Carey suffering from the condition. We're all hearing a lot more about it these days. Now, one thing to know is that preeclampsia is pretty uncommon. Fewer than 10% of first-time moms get it, usually after 20 weeks of pregnancy, They don't know what causes it, but the diagnosis is made when your blood pressure shoots up to more than 140 over 90. And then they're also finding significant amounts of protein in your urine. So if you're wondering why it is that the first thing you do whenever you go for your OB checkup is pee in a cup, it's because they're checking your urine for protein. The third symptom is swelling in your face and hands and and feet. But one important thing about this is that many women will not have any symptoms at all. They won't have that telltale swelling, but they might get headaches. So if you have headaches and you're not someone who usually has headaches, if you're seeing spots or or your vision is blurred, those are really signs of of preeclampsia. And seizures, if it really progresses. And that's the actual eclampsia. Eclampsia, right. I'm going to assume by now everyone is well aware of the plot of Downton Abbey. Fast forward if you aren't. But Lady Sybil, if you remember what happened to Lady Sybil, that was preeclampsia or eclampsia. And if you haven't watched it, don't start now. Um, Because as I said before, it's really rare. And in Lady Sybil's day, they weren't screening for it the way they are now. If you are somebody who already has high blood pressure or kidney disease or diabetes, or if you go into your pregnancy already obese, or if you are pregnant with multiples, you're at higher risk for preeclampsia. So know that as well. The only way to treat it really is to deliver that baby. So that is why Kim had baby Northwest five weeks early on the doctor's orders. If the case is really severe, it can't be managed. That is the the solution. If you have a milder version, uh, you'll probably, you know, just be monitored with blood tests and urine tests. And then as soon as your doctor feels like it's reasonable, you're going to be induced, most likely. So it is treatable. The important thing is to keep those appointments with your OB. I know, Kara, you have a lot to say on this topic. I went for um, one of my checkups, and my blood pressure was was really high. But I had been rushing to get to the appointment. So the nurse said, I'm coming back in 10 minutes. We're not putting that reading down. And she said, just relax. And you can't relax when someone tells you to relax because you appear to be unrelaxed. So it didn't matter. It wouldn't go down. And in fact, they had to just uh, send me to the hospital and they checked me there and and I was fine. This kind of ping pong game went on probably eight more times. And then at one point I was admitted for the entire weekend. I had to do a protein test, which is when I had to urinate into a, a, keep it all in a jug for a whole weekend. And they would measure the um, levels of uh, protein in my urine. They were watching it so closely. And my doctor did a good job of telling me what she was looking for without making me feel like things were truly dire. I ended up going on bed rest and I was hospitalized for a, a weekend of monitoring. And then- How many weeks were you at this point? At this point, I was about 35, 
Mm-hmm. So I was close to the end. Then I went back to the hospital for a follow-up, and I won't remember the numbers, but I was like, what's that 12 or something? They're like, that's your fluid levels. I'm like, I was knowing enough to know that fluid levels that are low is a problem. And I was like, wait, what does that mean? They were like, you're having a baby today. And I when I was induced. Wow. Yeah. And the second time, it didn't get that far because I had a history at that point. But I was induced both times. Mm-hmm. But as we said before... Not the most common scenario. So I think that's it for preeclampsia. And that's also it for today's episode. Our producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Let us know what you think of the show. You'll find us on Twitter at Parents Magazine, Facebook at facebook.com slash Parents Magazine, or Instagram at, of course, Parents Magazine. If you like the show, I hope you'll tell a friend, a pregnant friend, and subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And please leave a rating or a comment. It's our way of knowing what you think about the show, but it also helps other people discover the show. Unlike other podcasts, you don't need to wait a week for the next episode. If you'd like a sneak peek of what the weeks ahead hold for you, go ahead, listen right now. Listen right now.